Minnesota basketball fans, welcome back to the Living in Loserville podcast. He's Aaron, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some Wolves basketball. Once again, don't come at us for calling our podcast Living in Loserville, okay? Does this series figure that out for you or not? It's a joke. It's lighthearted. This is actually going to be negative and positive, just so you guys know. We're not the knee jerks. Uh, that we've seen all around, trying to trade, like we said last week, trying to trade Cat during the playoffs. Now they want to send D'Lo out for sure, no matter what we get. Just dump him for, you know, make J-Mac the starting point guard. He's ready to be in the finals, like all sorts of stuff. Uh, let's just all take a deep breath, and uh, we'll get through this, okay? So it's a, it's a season wrap show. We're going to just touch upon lightly <laughs> the game, you know, the last – two games or whatever, but we're not going to go blow for blow. Um, and then just kind of, you know, wrapping the season in general, we'll talk about, um, you know, the free agency, the possible trade scenarios, uh, you know, needs for the off season in general, internal improvement, especially with Ant and McDaniels. That was a heartbreaker. McDaniels plays his best game of the season. And we still lost, man. He, but but that's, you know, he just turned 21. You know, just turned 21. Ant's not even uh, 21 just yet. But we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the D-Lo scenario, trade, whatever, fit. Um, and then, you know, a little bit of the town stuff, too. We'll talk about a variety of stuff here on the Living in Loserville podcast because the West ain't going to be easier next year so. You know, maybe if we would have got to the second round, it would have gave us this fake confidence, get, you know, beaten five games by Golden State. And then we're like, oh, we're right there, dude. We're right there. And then we don't go get a big uh, and, and force it upon us based off those offensive rebounds, especially in the fourth quarter. But um, if this is your first time listening to the Living in Loserville podcast, welcome. Like I said, don't be afraid by the title. Uh, it streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope radio. Uh, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope-A-Dope. You can find, uh, in the browser anyway, you can find the Rope-A-Dope radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon Music, uh, Google Podcasts. Um, go on and visit thegruelingtruth.com. One more thing. If you're thinking about, oh, actually the Living and Loser vs. Fricker page is back up. If you're thinking about cutting the cord, or you have, you're not quite happy. I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. This is the best of live TV and on demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. Um, if you upgrade to the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months of HBO Max. And lately, HBO Max has been popping. Um, and also, you get to enjoy regional sports networks without the additional fee. If you go all the way to the premiere package, that gives you HBO Max and Showtime already included. That's Direct TV Stream. All right, let's bring in Aaron. And see what's going on with them. Obviously, uh, it was bittersweet. I mean, it was it was a nasty way to end game three, five, and six. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, we in Minnesota sports we like to set records of all sorts, uh, good and bad, right? Great and ugly. So uh, it had a little bit of everything: the great, the good, the bad, and the ugly. How are you doing, sir? A, a handful of days removed from what was a disappointing loss, clearly. I'm great. Are we still getting flack for the name of this podcast? I mean, I really don't know at this point what more we can, what more the, the team can do to, to even validate it. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, yeah, things are getting better, but at the same time, you know, let's win a championship and then we'll think about changing the the, the name of the podcast. Oh, we'll change no. it. We'll change it then. We already have a no. backup plan. We'll change it, guys. We will. No. We promise. Coming off of the game three debacle, uh, you know, it took a little while, but they bounced back. We didn't know if they would because I think our show was in between it. No, we actually had game four, but, um, yeah, I mean, look, like we said off air, Chris, if you're thinking we're going to the finals this year, everybody, that wasn't going to happen. Okay. So, and like you said, great point about going and, you know, maybe getting one game from Golden State. I mean, they played Memphis pretty tough at home, and you know, we beat them in game one as well, so everybody can have their comparisons. But I think Golden State would probably get the edge in that one. And, you know, that is a false sense of security if you go and beat Memphis in some in seven games by two points in, in the game seven and think that you, 
you've got it all figured out. No, this team has holes. This team has issues. We're going to get into some of those. And uh, it's better to uh, get an honest evaluation than to get something, you know, from pie in the sky and, and think you're more than you are. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, it but uh, but we understand why people are hurt. You know what I mean? Obviously, like, the shit did suck. Like, um, I just read a stat before we started recording. The four times that the Wolves uh, let a 10-point lead go in the fourth quarter, all four won in the regular season, uh, were to Memphis. One thing that's kind of interesting in game one, speaking of that, um, Golden State on the road, obviously, because they were the third seed. They didn't have green in the second half. Uh, he only played 17 minutes because he got ejected, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's very Draymond Green-like. But um, Golden State was up 10 with half the quarter left. And sure enough, <laughs> Memphis came all the way back. Now, they didn't get it done. It was more like game four like that, actually, that we actually won by a point. But it had that vibe where you're like, oh, here they come again. And, and I mean, I kind of felt like that last shot from Ja was going to go in, too. So, I mean, it, it came that close. So they do that to a lot of folks. But, yeah, I mean, just talking about those two games, um, it did seem like, you know, anytime it's 40 to 22 or 36 to 17 or, you know, just name the third quarter there or fourth quarter there, um, there's a variety going on there. We did – Rush some shots. I think in game three and game five, it was a little bit more hero ball. But I didn't see that in game six. I saw missed shots. Uh, a lot of people point to Cat uh, taking a long three. I think a lot of people don't watch the NBA nowadays. He was wide open. He, he may have rushed the shot, but he was wide open. So that's not a bad shot in today's NBA. But I think overall, and we even – this is another thing we talked about just a second ago before we started recording. Even Pat Bev was turning the ball over too much. Um, we, we just – those are the kinks that we really have to now focus in on. Uh, for years we were ho- horrible on defense, and we spent basically all training camp working on defense, right? Well, fourth quarter situational basketball, uh, we have some improvement to go there, no doubt about it. So in a variety of ways – uh, you could point the finger to this player, that player. You could even point the finger to the coach for, you know, for not calling the timeout in game three, whatever. But um, I think what people are forgetting is when you give eight or seven offensive rebounds in a quarter to one player, that's back-breaking in the fourth quarter as well. And when you D up so well for all those seconds and then, oh, easy bucket. Or even worse, Aaron, the – the offensive rebound miss layup, another offensive rebound, so you give them three different chances and it ends in a layup. That shit hurts too. And so in your body, you're like, okay, we got to respond. Go now. You know, so I think that, I think it's just a, a variety of stuff. But would all three of those games be that close if we even got half of those rebounds? No, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been down to the buzzer. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of blame there, but. Um, like like McDaniel's playing his best game, and once he got really healthy off that late season, uh, you know, injury, he kind of bookended the series. He started really good, had some struggles, had some fall problems, but man, he looked great in that last game. And we talked about when is the Pat Bev, you know, McDaniel's thing gonna break, and when does he get in the starting lineup? That baby, you know, this year coming, that baby the net, whatever it is. What we do know is it's coming. So overall. You know, I think it's just a variety of things, but rushing the offense, some hero ball, and also just those offensive rebounds. I mean, that is horrendous. That's what I break it down to. I think it's pretty good assessment. I think it comes down to maybe three things for me. Uh, The first uh, being uh, talent-wise as far as – is everybody in the correct spot for their skill set? And that's also acquiring talent that we need. Like we need a front court player. Why? For, that leads into number two, rebounding disadvantage. That was huge in the series. I know you were going to bring up Clark and, and how kind of he was the series. Uh, just his rebounding, his ability to get on the boards offensively and defensively. 
that was a whole back-breaking rebounds. And then thirdly, and I kind of chalk it up to a young team, and if not young in years, young in playoff experience, uh, turnovers, man. Just too many yeah. turnovers throughout the whole series. Now, you could say, well, you know, get yourself a pure point guard and you maybe be able to cut down on some of those turnovers. But, you know, the, the flip side of the turnover issue to me is that you're playing like what the number one defensive team in the league in Memphis, or at least high up there, top five, up there, yeah. top three. Um, so you're going to give up turnovers. Problem is, I think you gave up too many and, and, you know, one is too many. You have to, you know, to a basketball coach, I'm sure, but you know, they're going to have turnovers in the game, but, you know, the, the excessive turnovers, I thought you could not afford due to who you were playing to the rebounding at disadvantage is got to be fixed. And then I just think you have to do some tinkering. Now I'm not saying major tinkering because I like this squad. I just think you need to, you know, get yourself a front court player that you can depend on in cat's absence. And also it with cat, they're able to rebound, you know, deal with your point guard situation as far as D'Lo and, and what you want out of a point guard and what you're going to do with the excess pieces that you have, that type of thing. But other than that, I really just think it was a young team going in to face uh, another young team. But I think this other young team had a little bit better balance of personnel, and I think that kind of led to the edge in this series. Not just that. They are a young team, but they did qualify for the bubble in 2020. They actually kind of had a breakdown in the season in the bubble. They had, They were up there in, you know, in the playoff stuff, they did kind of, they got, they broke down. I think they lost like six of the last eight in the bubble or something like that. And then they lost, I think, I think it was Portland in the first uh, plan. So they got to go through given a, a split season really with 2020, but they got to do that. Not just that, but then last year they played, they won two games to get in the bubble. One, and we're talking about Memphis, one, won the first game in Utah and then got beat in all four. And some of it was actually having to lead and giving it up. And then this year, boom, they kind of went through that. So age-wise and youth-wise, we could, you know, line them up together. But like you said, they've played together as a core more. And remember, last year, we didn't play together as a core that much. Uh, we're not going to go over all the stats of missing games and all that, but it's just a fact. And this stuff makes a difference. Um, and so we're right around that 100-game mark that we talked about uh, based off the last 15 to 20 games last year and then this year. So I think there's a lot of positives, um, but there are some things that stand out. Now, um, when we get into, um, you know, we, we kind of addressed the cat thing last week. Um it's not that I'm against trading him at some point, right? But because when we had Jimmy Butler, who was fully developed, I would say if you're going to trade anyone in this, it'd be Cat. It wouldn't be Butler. Then it leaked into the next year. Taylor didn't offer him a full contract and blah, 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 blah. I understood when we actually traded him. Then we had to trade him then. But overall, it's not that um, – I just think it's knee-jerk to trade Cat at this point. And, in fact, if he's eligible for an extension this year, I would extend him because, and I know that's another, you know, people want to talk like GMs until they put, but they never put the actual cap on and go, well, hold on, dude. You know what's easier to trade? A guy who has six years on his contract, or well, let's say in two years we want to trade him. A guy who has four years on his contract. That's much easier than an expiring. It holds all the leverage on the team almost. And so it just doesn't line up. Anthony is, for his age, is beyond impressive. We could spend a podcast just on him, but he's not fully developed yet, nor should he, nor should he. No one should put the pressure on him like he should. But there's really no point in trading him right now. Um, any thoughts on trading cap? Because that was a big thing before we get to uh, D'Lo and some other roster stuff. I think the trade cap thing is – a remnant of game three and everybody's pissed off. Um, look, you got a, a seven foot athletic big man who won the three point shooting contest. Uh, find another one. Um, uh, Cause I don't see a lot of them. Now 
does Cat have his faults? Absolutely. And we can spend a podcast on Cat's faults. But I think we're all pretty aware of it. So what I say to do with Cat is obviously you're going to want to sign him again. I think you extend him. And, uh, you know, people like him around town. He's not a bad dude. I just think you just bring him down, you know, take the team off of his shoulders. I mean, we have a guy that can do that already. Take the team off his shoulders. Give that weight to another player who's more capable of handling it mentally. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess mentally is the best way to say that. And, and, and let you mentally fallish. Yeah. And just let cat be cat in a number two, maybe number three, but I don't think cat would ever be in a number three position just due to his talent in a number two position on a squad and see if he can flourish without uh, uh, everybody's expectations, I think is a good way of putting it on him. You know, is Cat going to be, you know, uh, stop, maybe the best way to put his, is take Cat for who he is as opposed to what you want him to be. And, you know, I think we would all want him to be league MVP, you know, uh, dominant big man who, you know, takes the team on his back and, can lead down the stretch. Okay. It's been six, seven years now. He's not that guy. Time to, you know, splash some water on your face, deal with it, and realize that you still have a part, a component part of a, of a team that is very rare, hard to guard and, and exceptionally, uh, effective. It, like you said, just have the foul problem and also, you know, uh, you know, maybe he's not your, your alpha dog leader. Okay. So f- you have another guy that can easily slap in, uh, slip into that. So, you know, let cat be cat. Don't trade him unless, you know, what do you think you're going to get? I don't know, Chris. Maybe you have a better idea of what might be available in a hypothetical cat trade that would be equal value, but I just don't see it. The only thing, the only thing. Stopping him from getting MVP votes and being a, a hands down top ten every day of the week is foul problems. That's it, and that does have to do with mental. And in two games, it was a problem in this series. Well, the Clippers game and then game two, uh, or no, game three where he had to leave the fourth quarter for a handful of minutes. That that's a big deal. Those are that's the only thing because I think people really. Under, like, they undervalue him. Like, when we say, oh, he can't handle the pressure, he can't do this, that that part of it to me is bullshit. Because, like, first of all, look how much attention is drawn to him. Once Ant can draw that much attention, what does that leave Cat doing? You know? We already know what happens when you leave Cat one-on-one. We, we've had a lot of run with that this year. You know, some teams did it, some teams didn't. But, and not only that, but defensively in this, you know, high wall, like he's not as good in drop, but high wall out on the perimeter, there's not many bigs that can do that. And the guys that usually can do that will set, you know, picks and, you know, they're defenders and that's it. They're not all world offensive players. So, before you jump on Cat too much, saying he can't do this, he can't do that, look, just look at the goddamn game and what they try to do to take him out of the game to get in the playoffs. I've been, like, so, struggling. Go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've been struggling to try to come up. I was just saying my last uh, a phrase. I was thinking, oh, I'm trying to think of a comparable comp, you know, and I think, well, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, but that's not really – Cat's game, and then okay, so maybe a Keem Elijah one, but that's not Cat's game. But then you, you go okay, well, you know, is he unique skill set? So, um, you know, with his faults and then his talent, it just you're not going to replace that, Chris. And I just feel like everybody, you know, wants him to be like Barkley, and everybody on MT on on, on TNT, and everybody says he's got to yeah. do this or he's dumb. It's like, dude. You know, what do you Barkley want him to be? chase championships, but he went to two different places chasing. Yeah, and it's thing, I get annoyed as hell with Cat. Don't get me wrong, man. I, I'm not a huge Cat raw guy, but at the same time, I'm, like, trying to look at this in a rational way and going, okay, maybe Cat isn't what all the national pundits, all the local media, 
All everybody wants him to be. Okay, so then what is he? Let's get away from what we want him to be and what he is. And take a look at what he is and go, all right, try to find me another player in the league that is that. I don't see it. And, and we're not here he's with great in transition. number two either. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a different time now. We we have a guy that in the coming years is, you know, is going to draw so much goddamn attention. Like, he even says it. I bet, like, I, I'm playing right now. Once I start being able to add the catalogs of film watching these next few years, it, it's going to be a whole different beast. We see little, like, okay, he's having problems with that. A month later, he's not. You know, we're just working slowly with, well, Frock, you know, Finch and the, the coaches and the players. They're just working minorly with him, and you can see the goddamn improvement. I mean, I love what Ant was already saying about, well, first of all, my mid-range. I got to have a floater. I got to have this. I got to have that. I got to facilitate. I got to watch film. Like, he is already ready for the offseason. So that's another head-stretcher, Aaron. Do, do you not see our roster? Like, we're not dependent. We're not going to have to depend on him to be this everything, every game. But as soon as he gets one-on-one, that's a wrap, too. You know, because it's a wrap right now with Ant one-on-one. So, yeah. it's. I think people are – I'll let you close, and then we'll move to a D-Lo and, uh, and other fits and off-season stuff. Well, I think since you moved on to Ant, I'll just go ahead. Like, Ant is the guy. So, yes, he does need a little bit of a mid-range game, I think. But, you know – my biggest problem with Ant in the uh, series was I think he deferred to teammates too much, which I don't think is going to happen again. I think he deferred to his older teammates, and I think that was his biggest mistake uh, coming down the stretch of the series. He should have just said, you know what, it's me, it's mine, I can do this. But then again, put yourself in that situation. You've got older teammates who also have, you know, their who want to get theirs. I think you have to somewhat defer a little bit. The only guy I think that never deferred because he had a bunch of cokehead teammates was Jordan in the early years. And, you know, it's just, it's a natural progression here. And I think that's what everybody has to watch. If, as long as Gupta doesn't do some stupid Timberwolf bullshit this offseason, which I'm not 100% sure. We don't I even know if he's 100% going to be here yet. You know, you know I don't want to see McDaniels in any trade. I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see that. And I have a I little don't. bit of fear him as a, it is a trade chip, which is going to drive me insane. But nonetheless, that's a whole different show for a whole different thing. If his contract was more, I think it'd be more of a threat, but I don't think so. But who knows? Um, it's terrible. I mean, Ant <laughs> will learn to not to, to have himself deferred to instead of deferring to others. And, and I think that even includes Cad. I think, uh, I think that is going to be uh, the way this team ends up hopefully organically going. I would hate to see someone uh, push that as an agenda. And just like, I'd rather just let it become what it is on its own. I would push back on the deference. He took the most shots by five shots a game. I, I didn't, he didn't really assist a cat, but once a game um, throughout the season. I didn't see a deference from him at all, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think he he had one good passing game, but I, di- I didn't see a deference as much as you're saying anyway. Um, you know, I, I just didn't see that. What I did love, though, I thought game five, uh, out of all the playoffs, um, it was an empty game from him. And what I mean by that is um, he had 22 points. What I loved about it was he struggled that game, but he, he still hit that game time three, which is what we're talking about as far as confidence and just a different type of player. But what I mean by empty is, like, let's say he had missed that shot. He would have been a 7 of 20 for 19 points. And that was the only game he had foul problems in. And that's another thing. He doesn't get in foul problems. But he had to leave the fourth in that game. Um, but he had – to me, you can't have more falls than you do rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. He had one rebound, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. So to me, that was his emptiest game. It wasn't playing great. Uh, came back with about five minutes left 
game five I'm talking about, in that quarter. And then he had jaw on him almost the whole time. And he missed a shot, made a shot, missed three in a row. And he struggled down the stretch. He even said it himself, you know. Um, but what I loved about it, one, he hit that three. The very next game, and this is what I'm talking about, this kid. The very next game, he had 16 points. In the, and we're talking one quarter. Uh, three assists, two steals, a block. Like, he came right back and said, nope. This is not how it's going to go. So I'm not really worried about Ant at all when it comes to that. But, I mean, even during the season, he took the most shots per game. And like I said, he took 18 shots. The closest guy was 13 in town. D'Lo was 12. Beverly was 8. Uh, so, and Beasley was 7. So I, don't, I didn't see him deferring a lot. I just think that and he said it in his exit interview that, and same with Finch, that there's going to be stuff he's going to learn by just watching film and improving his game and knowing when, okay, they're taking that away, I'm going to facilitate. The reason why they put all this stuff on Cat and then even put Brooks, until it got hot, they put Brooks over there. Hmm. And they put on they put him on D'Lo, though, because we know when D'Lo gets hot, he can also facilitate. The, and they just they know that Ant's probably going to take tough shots. You know, when he takes threes – if they're not um, catch and shoot, he, he, he can make step back threes, don't get me wrong, but he does take a lot of tough shots. And this isn't going to take long. Whether it's next year or the year after, he's going to know when and where. And you can already – you can hear Kat say, hey, we're going to need – this is what this is what's going to happen. Like, mm -hmm. you're going to do – like, he's – the deference is there already. I mean, this is like a very glued-in team. Um, already, like you could see them yell at each other on the court and be cool a second later. So I do like the vibe of that. Um, but that's what I think people are sleeping about. Cat is in the next year or two. Ant's gonna. We've already seen it, dude. We've seen it during the season, you know. Okay, so let's talk. Uh, I guess say the elephant in the room because that's what I, all I've been hearing on local media yeah. is is D'Angelo Russell and his state status with this squad. Now we talked a little bit off air and I thought, you know, I like Russell. Um, and you know, I've just been here a lot of D'Lo sucks this and he, he died in the fourth. Okay. And all this stuff about him. And we're just, you know, we had a little small conversation, Chris, about like, well, we don't know what he was asked to do as opposed to what he was getting done and, and how that fluctuated game to game. And, and as well as a number of other things where it's like, okay, this guy had a great regular season, um, got us through a lot of tough games, especially games against Memphis that you pointed out. Um, you know, he, I think he had like what a hamstring going on or something like that. I think you mentioned. Yeah. Down the uh, stretch of the season. But, yeah, which you know, once you're on the floor, you're on the floor. Lingers a little bit. His shot wasn't particularly great. Um, he did get us through the play in and now everybody wants to, to run out. Is he, and my ideal player at the two, no, but you know, or my ideal point, no, but I'm old school. I like the old classic point guards. You know, that's me. But do I think he did a, a good enough job throughout the regular season to earn the chance to be point guard next season or even in the series that just went by? I think he did. And like I said, he's improving in that role that he's asked to play. And, you know, I guess the comes down, Chris, and I think you nailed it you know, when we talked earlier. He's a volume shooter. Is he happy with his role? And is this the best? Is this the way to get the best out of D'Angelo Russell? Yeah, it's funny because last last year was it last year or the year before? I can't remember because it all blends together. But he, the media just will take one word and run with it. Like he said, we have to we have to learn how to lose, and and you know that's a great media thing, and they're going to run with it. You can see he's a lot more careful now with that. But but then the next year they said, you know, actually he was right. You know, he was actually right because, you know, when you get down, you don't just fucking put your head down and don't try anymore. You got to grind it out all the way to the end. That's the one thing about, you know, everybody loves KG. You couldn't tell if they're up by 20, down by 20 tie game. He was just going to go nuts. And there's just little things that people pick out that they won't pick out of many other other players uh, when it comes to that. That's just how he is. And part of that is getting drafted to L.A. and then going to Brooklyn. And those medias are a whole different ballgame, but that's what shaped it around them. 
Um, but we also, you know, his two point really in games two and game six, he was very inefficient, you know, and we also talked about how I love that Finch did pull the trigger. We pulled the trigger. Shit, we, we bench Ant in the fourth quarter during the year. We bench Fando a good chunk of games. Not bench him, but he doesn't come back in. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe not as blatantly in the fourth quarter after three minutes and two turnovers. You know, that type of thing. But that tells me a lot about Finch there, one. Two, you know, his two-point shooting – that, that bread-and-butter mid-range, Brooks took a lot of that away, and them doing what they did to Cat, there is no pick-and-roll. And Vando pick-and-roll is just not as efficient as we know. Um, and so that hurt him, I think. He struggled from two-point shooting. Three-point wasn't bad. It was actually pretty good. But the two-point shooting, that's where he struggled. Now, you know, and like I said, highlighting two and six were his worst games, clearly. There's no, you know, there's no – running around that. But, you know, like you said, fit-wise, as far as Cat and Ant, I think the skills he possesses are great fits or damn good fits, and I know I'm going to hear some pushback on this, for Ant and Cat. But, however, like you said, he is a volume shooter. Ant and Beasley are the only ones, and I guess, you know, Cat doesn't volume shoot. He's super efficient. So he really doesn't volume shoot. So, in fact, that one game, game three, we wanted more shots. So, um, you know, but he is a volume shooter. And Beasley and Ann are the only ones right now that can volume shoot. And is that long-term fit going to work for him? And that's what I think the biggest thing is the jury's out on him. Because if that's what he is, then that's what he is. Um, and, and maybe he needs those volume shooters. Now, we could, you know – also playing more minutes throughout the year with Ant, you know, instead of coming off the, the bench and working with the bench unit as well in the second. Now, that works well for this team, but ultimately we talked about how Ant probably should be in that scenario and let him get more looks at the bucket and, and also just having a pure guy like that when the bench is out there. Uh, so it can, okay, hey, well, Cat and Delo on the bench, sweet, we still got a, a great scorer here. We got our number one guy, scoring-wise, anyway. So that's that's tough. However, however, we talked about the debate last year, Rubio, Delo, and I remember saying they in a few years they may be both not on the squad. Um, Delo has one year left. Technically, Beasley has two years, but he has just – he does have a club option, so he can play like a one-year. So – Trading D'Lo, just like at the beginning of this year, during the year, if it was for Ben Simmons or something like that, not like that exactly, but like a difference maker that's going to improve our team, yeah, go for it, definitely. But if we're going to take on big salary that's overpaid right now and and, and have two or three years of that, that's where the problem is. So I'm not 100% sold we can get good value for it when we can give him another year. If he shits the bed from two points again, well, then we know, okay, well, we got a bunch of money freed up. So, to me, Beasley is the trading piece because it's like a $16 million or something like that contract. He's a volume three-point shooter. Yeah, he started out the season horrible, but look at his offseason. The last couple of months, he was now, you know, he kind of went. You notice how when they're guarding him at the three more, he couldn't get him off as much. But um, – He's a good trade piece because that gives the other team, hey, if we like him, we'll just fucking do the club option and figure it out, or we can dump space. So I don't want to just randomly clear space with D'Lo, though, because another thing is let's say we get a big, okay, so who's going to run point? The coach that everybody loves said J-Mac's a perfect backup. He used the word backup in it. J-Mac in the starting lineup is just not there. Now, in two, three years, could it be? Maybe. I'm not going to completely box him out, but he's not one right now, and, and a lot of people want to point to that that sixth, you know, the sixth game, which he played great in. He also played great in that other game where he hit four threes. But remember, we lost that quarter 40-22, to 22, and it was the same result as the last those three games. So obviously it's not just that. You know, I would point to offensive rebounding for that. But, yeah, D'Lo, we're going to find out 
if he actually needs that volume shooter to be more consistent. And that I don't know. It's tough, you know, because he had he actually out of the big three, he by far had to, you know, take his game back. Way, yeah. I mean, way more, you know. So yeah, it's tough to say, man. I, but I wouldn't I wouldn't trade him unless it's a literally a difference maker. But that difference maker, if that's a big, then don't act like we don't need a damn point guard too. Well, final point on that, as far as I'm concerned, is like okay. Is anything on this squad a finished product? Uh, no, it is not. And either is D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, he's been in the league a while. But he's like you said, we're going on 100 games with this squad together. I mean, there's nothing finished in this product as far yep. as True. things that they can do. Plenty. Individual yep. players, uh, improvement in their roles, uh, understanding their roles. Uh, you know, there's nothing finished here. So, Everybody says, Velo can't do this. Cat can't do that. Well, hold on a minute and just, you know, I'm not saying everything's going to trend to, you know, everybody's an all-star, but I'm going to say that, you know, get these things take time to, to, to come together and, and, you know, and meld together. These basketball is a very uh, intuitive game and these things take time. And now it's not like offensive line. You know, they got to play together and it, it's that a little bit, but it's more of like, you know, it's it's deeper than that, Chris. It's it, it, in certain situations what to do. You know, uh, it's so variable in its in its ways, and it's one of those things where you don't really know till you've been there, saw, and you failed, and then you can come back and say, okay, and then you find success, and then you go, okay, we can repeat that success, and and that's kind of where it's at. And this is when I say this is a young team, I mean that in not only age, but also in success. I mean, look at us, Timberwolves fans. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> this is a young team in success, and they need to learn how to handle and process success and also, you know, yes. deal with the failure among the success. So I, I think, you know, I'm not handing out uh, mulligans to Cat and, and Ant and Delo, but what I am saying is I'm not going to knee-jerk it, and I'm not going to do something – to this squad, which I think all, you know, season we've been saying, wow, this is exciting. This is fun. Everybody looked around before the series and said, this seems real. This, this team could go somewhere, hey, you know, take it easy on their first playoff series and, and just kind of see, okay, let's see what they do in the off season. What can Finch do? What does he need? Uh, you know, and, and that's kind of what we've been saying all year, Chris, about taking a good look at where we are. And now we're at that point. And we're taking a good look and seeing uh, exactly, uh, you know, where uh, we are weak and, and w- what we can improve on and also, you know, things that we can repeat uh, time and time again uh, to be successful. Yeah, I mean, if if we could get uh, Fred Van Fleet as our point guard and trade Dela for it, I'm all fucking for it. But, you know, does Toronto want to leave him? Uh, let them go. I know they got Scotty Barnes now, so they got a young guy who they probably maybe they move on from that. Uh, he may be a free agent in, in you know after next year. It more than likely he's going to opt out of his contract. Um, you get Fred Van Fleet in this bit who can shoot, you know, but he's he's been he can shoot, he can score, but he's a hell of a defender. So he can he can he can assist, he can facilitate, but he's also just. Okay, this would be different. Now, is D'Lo better at this or that? Yeah, but if he's just a hard-nosed defender, and oh, by the way, I'm used to not being volume, I'm used to not this, well then, yeah, bring him on in. But it has to be something like that, or like a legit big, and then like a Tyus Jones, or, you know, something like that where you got, we still need a damn point guard. Now, the internal improvement, Ant being 20, McDaniels just turned 21 in eight, uh, yeah, in eight, early April. Bando, shit, he's only 23, mm-hmm. you know? And Bando can start or come off the bench. Saw, mm-hmm. you know, when Nas couldn't really do his thing, he kind of got played out of the series. Bando was the backup center. Even Monroe came in for a couple of minutes and got a steal and a rebound. It's like, hey, he's old as fuck. He hasn't really been in the league much. But that just shows you if we get a, 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 a notch up from that that we could do something there. So obviously, whatever it is, I mean, do you do a minor 
Mm-hmm. Defensive rebounder guy that comes off the bench, cool, just something. Or do you do a sizable trade like the Miles uh, Turner, which would probably be uh, Beasley in a, fir- a, a future first rounder? Um, Miles Turner led the league in uh, block shots the last few years. This year he had the most per game, but he messed up his foot. And Indiana's in rebuild mode, so they didn't let him play again after that. That's another reason why maybe we didn't pull the trigger on that trade. But Miles Turner not only can rebound, he's not this phenomenal rebounder, but he's a good, solid dude. He's bigger, and he can he can block shots, but he also can actually be a decent offensive player. And that includes a three-pointer, funny enough. So, you know, that's another thing about having Van Bill in the lineup gets an extra body at some point to Cat, to Ant, to D'Lo, because they don't have to worry about Vando beyond the little dunks that we give him and shit for the most part. So mm. in his offensive rebounding, of course, that's the reason why we were actually decent at that part. But the West ain't going to get easier. No. Denver didn't have their second-best player. New Orleans is obviously on the up and up. The Clippers are going to be good if they just stay healthy and same with the Lakers. So – you know, when it comes down to it, the most tradable contract is Beasley. And the fact that we, we do have Noel on the squad who's instant offense lends me to believe that that's probably the most realistic trade, uh, you know, value there. Talk about that. And also the only free agent is Torian Prince. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see the big three messed with. Uh, I'll run it back another season for free, basically, so you have them all under contract. And um, and see where it goes. And, and then, you know, we'll take another look at it. But as far as the complementary parts or the role players, if you think you can juggle something there that's going to help you, i.e. Beasley or, or – I mean, I like Beasley, but, you know, he's going to get seven shots. I mean, that's just how it is. And – um I don't mind, you know, if he stayed, I wouldn't mind it, but I, I would like to maybe, yeah, if you have to move him to get that front court guy, because, you know, I've been thinking to myself, Chris, lately about the front court guys. Like, okay, well, what are you really looking for there that's going to help you? And, uh, you know, Clark. That's what, that's what you're hey, yeah, right? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it. they're going to trade him nuts, huh? No. So, I mean, do you want a bruiser like a Gary Trent style who's just down there bruising and, you know, doesn't want to, you know, he's not much for the offense, but then you kind of have that with Vando in, in, in a slightly more athletic yeah. form. Um, so what is that piece? And it's like, is it there in the draft? Is it there in free agency? I like the Miles Turner thing. Um, I, you know, Monroe, do you want to get another big, big, like we're talking 6'11", 6'10", you know, a center basically and kind of let yeah. Cat roam at that four? So I'm interested to see what they decide or what's available I think is more important, I think, than what they decide. They might want Akeem Olajuwon, but he's really not available. So, um, you know, there's going to be an interesting – but I think you have to do something for rebounding help and defensive help there. And I think that's a huge uh, part of that. And then – I want to see this backcourt get worked out for better or worse. I don't think it's a, a mess, but I'd like to see it maybe get organized a little bit better. Um, and I guess, you know, you ask me, what do you mean by that? I think, like, you know, you've got – we know J-Mac's going to be that backup point guard. Um, you know, what do you want Russell to do? Define his role more clearly. Um, whatever you decide to do, I'm fine with it, but just define that role more clearly. Obviously, Ant is the thing. Um, what do you want to do with that fourth backcourt player that's going to come in? Is it Prince? Is it, you know, uh, Noel? Uh, and then if it is, what are you going to ask of them? And then maybe just, you know, upgrade something in the, somebody who's getting minutes. And I think that's really all you can do and then run it back and, and hope that experience is going to lead you to a little bit more success because I think it should. And I think with Ant leading this team by proxy, uh, you're going to get improvement or you're going to see uh, changes in the squad. And, um, you know, Cat needs to improve his well, – that's another show maybe. <clears throat> Season opening show, we'll get into that. But, you know, again, it, it just – I don't want to say tweaks because that leads me back to Zimmer and, and tweak. But I want to do – you know, I want to say that <laughs> this is not in need of an overhaul. This is in need of – 
someone to kind of pave the road in front of them a little bit more, you know, and, and so that we can get a, a more honest look next season. And I think that starts with front court help. And that's the biggest thing. Now, Chris, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like exactly. I just know it needs to be there. Yeah. And it, and it, like I said, we could either try to do a, a major trade or, or instead of bringing back Prince, uh, you could use the, the mid-level exemption, which is about $10 million. And then you could actually either do a one year or a multi-year, uh, with that, uh, to get a starter or just another, like, ha, keep Vando. Okay. But then in certain matchups, we, instead of having Jaden to have to go to four. Now, sometimes, you know, we saw in this series, sometimes they go so small. Jaden can play a four because they're so damn small too. That's different. You know, and you see that more and more. Um, you actually see it in the Golden State too, especially when Green was out. But even with Green, when he's center, you know they they can go small too. So, um, or it's just bringing a center off for for a chunk of time and mix the basically the Nas minutes. A lot of that would be that. Um, or maybe it is a power forward and Nas can continue to be the backup center, and then we get a different four. Or it's a different power forward starter, just solid, nothing crazy, just solid. And bring Nas and Vando off the bench, which you got defense and offense, you know, something like that. It just needs to be another, like you said, a legit guy who, you know, I mean, it's funny, even a guy like sometimes it can be, uh, you know, similar height, right? Of, of, uh, like Thaddeus Young is very close. It's basically the same thing as Vando, but he has 20 pounds on him. You know, like mm. that shit, that, that's a blockout. That's a, you know what I mean? Like that it's, it's, you know, so it could, it doesn't have to be a center. It could be a power forward, whether it's a starter or whether it's a backup, but they have to add something to that. I love Nas for the regular season a whole lot in some series. He'll be very uh, impactful, but we can't rely on him to be that because he did get played beyond one game. He got played out of the, out of the, the series, you know. Quickly, Chris. Um, what came to my mind while you were saying that was uh, I can't remember his name, but I know you will. Played for the Clippers. Plays for the Clippers now, but we had him, uh, power forward. Uh, we traded him away. Uh, but he's kind of that piece. I think that I, I was he on remember. our actual squad. Are you saying? Uh, not this season, but uh, he was back uh, a couple years ago. And uh, God, dang, I can't remember his name though. I was hoping you would quickly remember, it, but you don't. Uh, Power yeah. forward was was here with uh, after the Butler years. Traded something, got him for. Well, oh, you're talking about Covington. Covington, that's it. He is a free agent. Yeah, he is a free agent. I think that'd be like, like that kind of piece. Maybe might be a helpful. Sure. Yeah, because it is a different. It's he he can do what Vando does. He's undersized for the position, but he can also shoot. You know. And you want to talk about helping our offense in the fourth quarter, and then he can do the same shit as Mando as far as, oh, I can go guard that guy. I can guard all these guys. One through four I can guard, you know. Yeah, yeah, that would be big. I don't know if he wants to leave there. But, yeah, I mean, he is a free agent. So that, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, it just flashed well, in my head while I was thinking. Like, that, like that, saying, yeah. Another front court player that's like – because the immediate thought was, does it have to be one or could you get a couple in, like, you know, 10 fouls and, you know, do, do it that way. But I think you want to be enough too, you know, already. I think you want to be solid in that, in that, whatever that role is, you want that to be solid, particularly. Even like a McGee. Mm. McGee, you know, he's, he's been on a lot of teams, but the guy brings fucking energy. Shit. Gorgie Jang right now uh, (laughs) is a free agent, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, you're not going to get complaints out of me if he's on the squad. So, yeah, it, it, it's out there. It might be a minor tweak. Maybe it's a side little tweak. But remember, folks, you got to give to get. So I understand yeah. Beasley has his role on our team, and I like how you said that. If he comes back, I'm not going to be pissed because I won't. However, if you want to go get Miles Tar- Tarver, you know, yeah. Miles, I don't want Miles Tarver. <laughs> I want Turner. I think you could pick him up pretty easily. I think you're right. That's who we should have got. See, that was that's a GM's fault right there. Because you know he's available. 
<laughs> that's a, I think that's a great way to end uh, with sure. the Minnesota reference saying the wrong guy. Sorry, Turner, but I'm going Miles Turner. Any last words, sir? No, I thought it was a great season, Chris. You know, and and a surprise, a delightful surprise. Now, I don't know if uh, you know, everybody needs to kind of take that ten thousand foot view and realize, you know, how we walked into the season and how we left, and and maybe in a couple of weeks everybody will kind of come back down to earth and see it that way, and then start to look forward to uh, what this team could possibly be. I want to see a, a fairly eventless off season, please. And this core stay together. Yeah, and, just the uh, negative stuff. <laughs> and just you know, let Ant continue to ascend into, into what I think he's going to be, and and uh, and let Cat find his role, and let everybody just kind of look forward to maybe a, a drama free off season and uh, a chance at uh, improving next season. I think that's where we are right now as Wolves fans. Even like when the so one of the media members like. So were you happy? He said to D-Lo. Were you happy that you were on the bench? It's like, dude. So what do you want him to say right there? Yeah, man, I was happy. I was, I like the bench myself. It's uh, I got there's Gatorade over there. There's towels. There's a bike. I've been on that bike for a month. So yeah, I like it. It's just like, come on, dude. Of course he's gonna fucking say no. He didn't like it. The fuck? I mean, come on. Um, just a little funny thing that I I had in my notes about uh, some of the questions. You can see that L.A. and Brooklyn, that media, uh, tore him up. So he's like, I'm good. I don't need to answer that question. I'm, I'm good. Nope. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about stuff, but I'm not going to add that little quote. So you're going to take it and run with it. But, yeah, overall, man, it was a good season. He said, "Let's." we got three second-rounders and a first-rounder. Um, by the way, if we do a draft, like post-draft show, it's because we probably made a trade. You know, we're not going to go, yeah, this, this the number 19 guy, he's pretty good. He can dribble pretty well. And, you know, we're not going to break that down. But if they do a trade, more than likely, unless it's just a nothing, just whatever, you know, that we may do one there. We will do a free agent show, like a, if we do some sort of trade in the offseason in the summer, that is the Beasley or whatever. Uh, or maybe D-Lo in a, in a bigger trade, whatever. Um, we definitely – so look for that uh, this summer, and we're going to try to fit in a Vikings draft show later this week. But um, it's been a hell of a run since uh, September from the Vikings all the way to the Timberwolves here as far as the podcast goes. We appreciate everybody that listens. And we'll be back – well, actually kind of shortly, but then we'll take a, a couple months off beyond the here and there. Take it easy. Peace.